Uh, Matthew 16, and we'll start in uh, verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'll give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So, uh, uh, amazing little passage here where uh, Peter, this time, got it smack on. Uh, inspired by by God to uh, to proclaim boldly that Jesus Christ was the the Christ, you know, the Son of the Living God. He got a few other things wrong uh, bef- around then, but he got this right. And uh, and Jesus said that knowledge and that understanding that Jesus was the Son of God. Uh, that's a that's a firm rock uh, of understanding that the church will be built on. And this passage, I've uh, always seen it as when Jesus is talking to Simon, uh, Peter, uh, he's talking to the church because Peter was uh, pivotal in the early church and, uh, and that rock will build the church on and uh, yeah, Peter was quite a pivotal leader in those uh, early years of the spirit-filled church. Um, but then I was thinking about this during the week you could say it just to the individual as well. You know, uh, you could put your name there that, uh, you know, uh, that on, on this understanding that Jesus is the son of the living God will build our lives, you know, um, and reference to the house being built on the rock. You know, that's our lives, that uh, if it's buffeted uh, with the winds and the waves, it will not fall. Uh, but then it goes on, in verse 19, it says, I'll give... Unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So that's the title of this talk, is Keys. Um, So he's given unto us the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And I was thinking about this aspect further, is so why do we need keys? Uh, You need keys to unlock something. Um, Keys to unlock a door. So, and you can't get through that door unless you have the right key. So, right, okay, so God has locked up the kingdom of heaven. It's like, no, nah, nobody can come into the kingdom of heaven. It is locked. Just like he expelled uh, Adam and Eve from uh, the Garden of Eden, it's locked. It actually says there that uh, you've got angels uh, guarding the Garden of Eden. So it's been locked up. And unto us, he's given us the keys. So we can enter. And if you've got the right key, it's easy to go through a door. You just slip it in, it works. Easy. If you have the wrong key, or you lose the key, uh, which I've done far too many times, it's very hard to get through the door. 
Um, so this great thing that we've been given is the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So we'll, we'll delve into that a little bit. John chapter 3. We'll go through some key scriptures, <laughs> which uh, make up these keys of how to get into the kingdom of heaven. And this one here is written that way. Sorry, John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And we can all imagine this discussion that, uh, that is about to happen. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see or he cannot enter the, the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe? If I tell you of heavenly things, uh, and no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. So this heavenly thing, this heavenly thing that is being described to Nicodemus, that uh, Jesus is using a natural example, and he's saying, well, look, this is the key for people to enter into the kingdom of God. You must be born again. And he even goes, uh, there's the natural correlation of a person being born and uh, being born of water and the Spirit. You enter into the kingdom of God. And uh, for us, Jesus wants people to understand this, to grab hold of this key and realise, okay, we can enter the kingdom of God. We can enter and it's easy to open the door. If we uh, remember this and uh, we explain to people as well how they can enter the kingdom of God and they can be given the keys of, the king, of, of heaven as well. Oh, just over the page, John chapter 4. Verse 23. John chapter 4, verse 23. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seek, seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. There's... People have many ways of worshipping God. Uh, they even create, well, they've created their own God by creating different ways to worship a God. 
But God says clearly, it says must. A people must worship him in spirit and in truth. We understand what that means. We understand uh, what worshipping in the spirit means, being filled with the Holy Spirit, we speak in tongues, praying in the spirit. And truth means applying what's written in the Bible in our lives, applying it. And, um, and so many people stop short and uh, forget about the truth bit. Uh, receive the Spirit, speak in tongues, but forget about following what's in the Bible, the truth. Um, yes, God is a Spirit, and we need the Spirit uh, so to be his child. And all those people filled with the Holy Spirit are God's children. But he asks us all to worship him in spirit and in truth. And that's another key, is the truth. So being born again of water and the spirit, yes, a little babe. But then after that, continuing to walk on in spirit and in truth, both of them, not just one, both. That's the key there. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh. Ooh, well, seems pretty obvious that we are in the flesh. Uh, But it says here, we're not in the flesh. That's not our priority. Our priority is to walk in spirit and in truth. So we are not in the flesh, but we're in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And those words are very harsh. And that's why when we have uh, new people come to the meeting, you know, I, I like to have a chat to them, find out if they've got the spirit or not. Because it says here, if you don't have the spirit of Christ, you're none of his. And so if they don't have the spirit, gently encourage them for baptism and then to pray for the Holy Spirit because it's so important. We want to be a part of the kingdom of God. We want to be there with him. We want to worship in spirit and truth. And so we don't want to be in that camp of none of his. And praise the Lord for the clarity there. We speak in tongues when we, when we receive the Holy Spirit. Evidence. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. These are scriptures that, uh, that we should know really well because they are key to our understanding of entering into the kingdom of God. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. So refreshing to see that uh, with an understanding. Down to verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? After explaining what shall we do, What should we do so that we can have the keys to the kingdom of God? 
These people desired to hold the keys so they could open that door. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. That encouragement, uh, there's a, a space there after uh, repenting, being baptised and receiving the Spirit, there's a space there for learning and understanding what this key looks like uh, and, uh, and to be confident in holding it and telling others about it. Amazing revival happened uh, in the, uh, the months from here as well uh, with, with this key understanding. So we go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, and it's such a joy as well uh, when people have ears to hear and and we're able to open the Bible up and show them these scriptures and say, look, this is what it says. Uh, I was so happy when someone did it to me, uh, having read the Bible, I'd never seen it before. Um, It was just so good. Matthew 13 and verse 10. Matthew chapter 13. And verse 10. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. So here, Jesus is saying, unto you is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. The mysteries of how to get into the kingdom of heaven. The mysteries of what the key looks like. How to use the key. How to overcome. How to rely on the Lord. The mysteries. So, uh, but then others whose ear, they have ears but cannot hear, lest they be healed. And even that, that's a wonderful scripture because sometimes we don't want to hear either, <laughs> lest we be healed. Um, but uh, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, this mysterious thing to unlock that door. Uh, but then, verse 12, it says, Uh, Whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. And uh, that's a a key aspect. Obviously, I've highlighted it twice now. We'll bring out some scriptures about that with respect to holding on to the keys of heaven, this amazing gift that we have. Matthew 25. And it's wonderful delving into the mysteries and discovering new things. It's so wonderful. You spend a lifetime uh, delving into the scriptures, listening to testimony, uh, experiencing new things, trying new things, um, like in relying on the Lord, like uh, applying different scriptures and seeing results. That's what I mean by uh, these trying new things. Um, Discovery, mysteries. It's wonderful what the Lord's done uh, for us and and about to do us in the future. And... uh, and unto us is given to understand the mysteries. Um, Matthew 25 
and verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man travelling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had to receive the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I've gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo there, thou hast, that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchanges, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this talent uh, parable we know well, and uh, it says um, that the Lord... Uh, referencing uh, Jesus Christ, gave the talents according to his several ability. You know, what we can handle. Yeah, he doesn't give us too much. It, it says elsewhere that it's our reasonable service. Uh, and, uh, but then tying in with what we read in Matthew chapter 13, the end, that, uh, that that servant who just buried the talent, that was even taken from him. So he had nothing, and that which he even had was taken from him. And uh, he was given something amazing. He had this talent from Jesus Christ. And uh, often we, we view that talent as being the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, that, uh, that Holy Spirit and uh, maybe a bit of understanding. And people go about their lives, and, and we see it so often, don't we, um, And uh, where people grab hold of that, Holy Spirit, I mean, it was only a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was just uh, flabbergasted at uh, this bloke who came to a meeting after the outreach the day before, and he was just so overjoyed, just thought, wow, this is amazing, this is absolutely what I want to see and what I want to be a part of, and then I could never get hold of him after that, just fell off the edge of the earth, um, and, uh, and we see that quite a bit, but the Lord here in this parable is as all of scripture is to encourage us to build us up 
as was said in the chorus, to build us up and to encourage us and grab hold of what we have and, uh, and use that, uh, uh, what the Lord's given us, no matter how little it is. Uh, move, keep your finger there because we'll be reading a, a fair bit more, but go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So uh, here's this mysteries of God thing again. And it says here, Paul's encouraging uh, spirit-filled folk that we are stewards of the mysteries of God. You know, ministers, servants of Christ, and we, we, we understand that aspect. And, uh, and as stewards, encouraging us to remain faithful, but steward, um, that word steward means like a household manager, you know, which includes, uh, well, dealing with everything, procuring items for the household, um, budgeting, uh, running the servants of the household, you know, all that, that's in the, the, the aspect of a steward. But uh, in the natural sense, so in, in the spiritual sense, it means like preacher of the gospel. It means uh, looking after the household of God, you know, and, and that's the stewards of the mysteries of God. So this is all part of, remember we read the scripture before, that, that uh, unto us is given to understand the mysteries of God, the door opened to understand. So with this key that we're being given, you know, uh, to, to be able to explain to people how to, um, out of a, a chunk of metal to cut a key so that you can open that door to the kingdom of heaven. We can do that. We are stewards of the mysteries. And, uh, and what a privilege that is to, to remain faithful and to find opportunity to preach the gospel and also to manage the household, washing each other's feet, encouraging each other. You know, they're all part of the, uh, the household thing, keys of helping people to continue walking on. And uh, um, and that's on the guidelines. The the first few words say the whole point of uh, the church is to uh, to see as many people saved as possible and to help as many people stay saved. Uh, these are keys that are so important, and we've got them. Uh, we've got uh, so much experience here. Uh, we've got a desire to read the scriptures and uh, and to apply it. Um, so back to uh, Matthew 24. And it was interesting when I was putting these scriptures together how these parables that I'm going to read, because uh, when I first started putting together, I was only going to read one of the parables. <laughs> and then it just all dovetailed together. So, for example, uh, that parable we just read started in verse 14. The first word says, For the kingdom of heaven. It flows on from the previous one. Uh, and I'll read, uh, so just notice that, how it's all part of the same, um, I guess, uh, message. 
that Jesus is trying to impart. So back here in uh, Matthew 24, and this is after uh, Jesus famously explains the, the things that will be seen in the last days and, and to, uh, to be careful and so forth, and we see a lot of those things today. Um, verse 42, <coughs> excuse me, Matthew 24, verse 42, says, Watch, therefore... Okay, flows on from his uh, explanation about the last days and, uh, and looking for the coming of Jesus Christ. Watch, therefore, for you know not what hour our Lord doth come, but know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Sounds logical. Therefore be also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, or a steward over his household? We're all stewards. To give them meat in due season, uh, feeding. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So it's encouragement as stewards to continue to remain faithful. Because what's the result? He says, blessed is that servant uh, who continues to do uh, uh, what the Lord asks uh, and make him ruler over all his goods in the kingdom of heaven. Holding that key. Now down to chapter 25, verse 31. Chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. So that's encouragement as well, remembering that, hey, the Lord recognises all this stuff that we do uh, in service of him. Even though we're doing it for one another, we're actually doing it for the King or Jesus Christ. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, 
You cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was a hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, you clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into, etern- into life eternal, with that key, that key to open the door. And, uh, and it's easy to open the door if you've got the right key. And the last parable, so the original one I wanted to read, uh, verse 1. Uh, then, so that also, that word then shall, so it flows on from the parable of uh, the, the servant continuing uh, to do the Lord's will, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, the oil representing the spirit. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour, wherein the Son of Man cometh. We know these parables, and they fit in well with this understanding of holding the key. So these ten virgins, five of them had the key. Five of them were built up in the Spirit. They had the oil. They had their flame burning. They were walking in Spirit and truth. And indeed, there was the announcement, and they could walk through the door. The other five who slumbered and slept went their own way, decided to uh, grab hold of their own ideas and uh, neglected what they had, neglected what they were given um, and, uh, and they couldn't open the door. They didn't have that key. And, uh, and that encouragement in verse 13, which we're always encouraged about, we have no idea when Jesus will return. We know he will though. That's a fact. Jesus will return. We just don't know when. And we're always encouraged to expect it. And that puts things into perspective as well. If we're always expecting Jesus to return, then uh, we, we put things into perspective when we make our choices. Whether we choose uh, life and blessing or whether we choose death and cursing. It weighs it up, helps us weigh it up so that we grab hold of life and blessing. And what an amazing blessing to hold the key to the kingdom of heaven. Uh, let not that key that we have be taken from us and given to someone else. Okay, we'll finish up with Luke chapter 7.
Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. Luke chapter 7, and we'll start in verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house, sorry, the Pharisee's house, and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. We have been forgiven so much. So much we've been forgiven, and as a consequence, we love him so much uh, for forgiving our sins. But then beyond that, to understand that Through him forgiving our sins, filling us with the Holy Spirit, Uh, we spoke in tongues. He's given us the keys of the kingdom of God, the keys of heaven. So it's a remarkable thing um, that, that he's given to us. And we love him so much to understand and comprehend what he has made clean in our lives. And I was uh, just reflecting on it uh, recently. Um, we've all been teenagers, haven't we? What a time to make mistakes. <laughs> what a time to create regrets. You know, well, just reflecting on it. And then, of course, there's many things we don't learn and we mess up over and over again. The Lord's just wiped it clean. He's just grabbed our past and gone, poof, off it goes. Amazing. We have been forgiven so much. And like this uh, example of this woman, uh, she led a simple, sinful life and look, the Lord says that we all have. You know, we've been forgiven so much and, uh, and as a result of that, that gratitude for what Jesus has done for us. And not only that, he's given us the keys of the kingdom of God where we can just confidently walk through the door. Just put the key in the lock, turn it, walk through. 
and in a position where we can explain it to others that they can have the key as well and they can have all their regrets taken away, all their sins removed. As far as the east from the west, that's what it says, and that's a long way. So that uh, we can look to the future and remove condemnation. And again, I was just reflecting on that this week. Condemnation. The Lord commands us not to condemn ourselves because it holds us back. He wants us to look to the future. You can't change the past, but you can change how, you, uh, how it impa- impacts your life by not condemning yourself and letting that hold back what you do for the Lord. To be confident that, yes, I have the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I have every right to open that door and walk in when Jesus comes back. It's just fantastic. Thank you.